0: Well, fantastic. Today on That's Classic, uh, I, we have somebody that, I, I have to be honest with you, has always been an idol of mine when, when I was a kid, everything. I mean, it's it's the truth. We have none other than Bobby Ewing, man from Atlantis, Patrick Duffy. Well, thank yeah.
1: you. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, please. Thank you for being on the show. Really, really appreciate it.
1: Now that I pushed all the buttons, I can take my glasses off. Okay.
0: So- now everybody will know who you are. No. Yeah, there um, we go. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'll tell you what, right out of the gates, why don't we uh, talk a little bit about Dallas? Cause I know a lot of my Dallas sure. fans out there are going to be like, okay, get to it, you know, whatever. But <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm yeah. curious. One thing that got to me when I was doing a lot of research and, and just during that time of just growing up is you mm-hmm. are like always the nice guy and Larry Hagman, good guy, but he had, a, he had his own reputation and, and, and he, he was very different how, where was the common ground between you guys off camera?
1: Well, the common ground was he was my best friend. He yeah, was my hell? best friend for 45 years. We met for the very first time at the Warner Brothers studio to read the pilot of, of Dallas. And I shook his hand and introduced, you know, introduced myself and et cetera. And when I got home that afternoon, I told my wife, I think I just met my best friend. No and way. It was true. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And it's one of those things I've been asked about that. And I have no explanation as to why. Um, But we uh, had a relationship that is, you know, for all the woo out there, uh, it's, it's not the first time around for being friends and it you feel it, like
0: in another life type of thing
1: well yeah just it's a, we're resuming a friendship is what it felt like it wasn't a, an introductory it was a reintroduction so um, and then i found out later that for years he had been going to my small town in of boulder montana 600 people long before we met and would go and and that's where i was raised and he knew my mom and dad he what? knew everything but he did not know that i was their son He and his wife went there for several years in a row because they collected spa places, any place that had a natural hot springs. They would drive there and spend some time. Well, there was a hot springs in my little town. And they went there and then they fell in love with it and went back every year. They played cards with my dad at the bar. And at one point during Dallas, literally the first day, uh, he had driven his truck down there, and I flew down. and And uh, when I got there, he said, "Come on, let's go out and have lunch and get drunk and have fun. And I'll show you Dallas." And yeah. I got in his truck, and I looked up, and there was a picture of him and Mai. His wife's name was Mai. In front of a a, a brick building with, in the old days, they would put advertisements painted on brick, you know, yeah, on totally. the, like the barns and all that stuff. Well, he was in front of this brick building with this mural advertisement. I said that's Gamble's department store in Boulder, Montana. Oh my God. What? I said, yeah, it's, isn't it? And he goes, yes, it is. But how do you know that? I said, I was raised there. And he looked at me and he said, are you babe and Terry Duffy's son?
0: Oh my gosh.
1: And I said, yeah, that's mom and dad. So those types of things who, you know, for whatever reason, um, we've just been that close ever since I was with him, as was Linda, you know, the day he died at the hospital in the bedside. So um, it was just a, a, one of those strange, I've had one other friend like that, that uh, just from get go, and he's still alive, thank goodness. Uh, but it's one of those things. It, the same thing is true with Linda and myself. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's a reconnection. Um, otherwise, there's no explanation as to how it got so deep so quickly.
0: That is really wild. I gotta be really frank with you. I literally, my palms are sweating right now, and I have goosebumps. I really well, do. That yeah, is that is crazy. You know, wow, it,
1: it, it is crazy, and and but it just you know, it's you know I'm I've been this way for a long time, but th- there is a veil, mm-hmm. and it gets thinner, and you start to see through it, and sometimes you can lift it, and and a lot of truths come out. Uh, you know, and to get deeply metaphysical, because I live in the real
0: world. But
1: every once in a while, those things happen. And if your antennas up, and your eyes are open, uh, many times you see,
0: I you know what, and and like you said, there's people out there that go, "Woo, whatever. (laughs) But I'm with you on that. I I have had that in my life, too. I I call them markers, like moments (laughs) like that, that happen, you go, wait a minute, you know, so that's quite interesting. It's really something.
1: Yeah, So um, that was Haggy. That was my best friend. We laughed and giggled every single minute until the cameras rolled. And then, you know, I'm grabbing him by the lapels and I'm punching <laughs> putting in the pool. And the minute they say cut, we're back to being our guys again.
0: Now, is it true? I saw one interview with you where you were saying that every day before the shoot, it was a bottle of champagne. Is that true?
1: It's true. That's true. Every day, uh, you know, I would have a 6 a.m., 7 a.m. call time. Yeah. And drive on the lot, park in my place. If his car was there, I'd put my stuff in my dressing room, go to his dressing room, and we'd pop a bottle and, and have a drink of champagne before we started the day. Every single day that we worked
0: together, we did that. And you're not really a drinker. I mean, from what I everything that I've read, it didn't sound like you were much of a, a drinker. He He obviously is very well known for that.
1: Well, he is very well known. And and the fact that he had his liver transplant was specifically because of that. Yeah. Uh, no, I was not that type of drinker. I mean, I could hold my own and did over, you know, decades, but it was a different period and you did that.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: and I was never uh, a consistent drinker. Yeah. Larry, you know, he had this, he had a great phrase. He said, I just need to have, feel the click. He called it the click. He, wow. We saw him inebriated twice in 40 plus years. Wow. Uh, Otherwise he just reached this level and that's where he operated on all the time. So he would be sipping his champagne during the day and we would go to lunch and have a cocktail over lunch and then come back and I would lay out and he'd keep sipping. So we'd have our drink after, you know, they call rap for the day. We'd, uh, you know, we'd had this signal to the, to the prop man. Yeah. We'd, you know, we'd been in the in the parade a long time we were old ponies so we'd realize okay we've got one more shot it's going to take 20 minutes this will be fine and we give this little handshake to the prop man and 30 seconds later there'd be two styrofoam cups you know <laughs> we'd have our little shot of tequila during the last shot just to get a running start for the evening so.
0: oh my gosh I mean
1: you guys seriously had a great
0: time I mean
1: we had most, wonderful time. most wonderful time uh traveled together you know, uh, we just really enjoyed each other's company
0: wow i love I just love that story. Now, let's go back you you uh you get that that audition, and now, I understand that um at, you said at the first audition you met him, but what was that audition like? I mean, I, I realized that you met him, but what who was there at that audition? what was it like most of like Hollywood's lead well, uh, type of thing or what?
1: well, no the the interesting thing about Dallas is uh, I met him the first time after we were all cast. Uh, uh you know i wasn't i never auditioned wow. for the part of bobby ewing uh the producer named leonard katzman dear friend of mine uh and a mentor in the business mm-hmm. uh in in 1978 uh he was producing a show called logan's run with great oh, i loved
0: it yeah
1: yeah uh, and they shot next door to my soundstage at mgm where man from Atlantis was being shot.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. and We were both canceled approximately the same time. Gregory's show was canceled, you know, about a month earlier, officially. We knew we were canceled, but we weren't official. Mm-hmm. So Leonard Kassman was his producer on Logan's Run. And he had already signed his contract to produce Dallas because he knew that he was canceled. And he knew about me from two years of MGM. So he went over and talked to my crew while they Your were still crew. Yeah, the crew on 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 Man from Atlantis, you know the the set people, the props and the grips and the best boy and all that. And he talked to the crew and he said, "What kind of a guy is Duffy? You know, is he a team player? He is a diva? Is he difficult? Is he this? Or is that?" And I got a good review from my crew. So the next phone call, he called my agents and and offered the part of Bobby Ewing on Dallas. I never auditioned.
0: That is unbelievable. <laughs> seriously, you had the the role of a lifetime, and it was you know, handed to you, that's beautiful. Wow well, if you
1: want if you want to all things come circle in one last little woo-woo is yeah. that um, when Man from Atlantis was canceled, uh, during that time period, I was offered several scripts when they knew that the show was canceled, but it wasn't official. One of the scripts I was offered to was to be Linda Pearl's husband on young pioneers.
0: Oh, come on. No. And
1: I got that script. I got a script for Lassie. And then I got this script for Dallas.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: And so, you know, I said, well, the script for Dallas is five episodes. Young Pioneers is only one, a pilot. So I'm going to take Dallas.
0: Wow. Wow. Now, for those people that are out there right now that don't know you, you are uh... Now dating you, you and Linda Pearl are dating. Did yeah, you?
1: It's it's more serious than dating. We're in well a dating. Yeah, as I as mean as you, as 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 you, as
0: couple, you are a couple. You are uh yeah. You know, I I don't know yeah. how to phrase it. Just being polite. Well, we've been
1: but... li- well. Let's just take the rag off the bush. We've been living together for two and a half years now, and we're yeah. deeply in
0: love. How's that? <laughs> okay, now that I like. Let's cut <laughs> to the chase. Um, well, let me ask you this then: Did you meet her um, on like during that time of Young Pioneers, or did you just read the script and that was it? You did you, you didn't even know her.
1: And no, I never met her. Uh, never met her uh, literally. We in the same business, you you know of each other. Mm-hmm. but we were literally never in the same room for twenty years after I turned down young pioneers and was doing Dallas. And then we uh, we read a script. A, a friend of a mutual friend of ours was a playwright, mm-hmm. and he wanted his play read. So he asked a bunch of people, and he asked Linda and he asked myself, I don't remember her at that reading. Um, uh, and then, twenty years after that, I was doing a play in in London, that would be 2001, Mm -hmm. and I realized that we'd only met once since 78, so in 2001, uh, she came to see another person, Richard Thomas, who probably has done your show.
0: Well, Uh, he's wanted to, he's on tour with uh, with, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, so when he's done, he's going to do it, yeah.
1: Perfect, well, he's one of the, he's my bestie, he's a a good guy. Class, class actor so linda was a dear friend of his from the walton days and came to see the play that we were in together in london and that was the first time we'd seen each other in in 40 years other than that one reading and we don't barely remember that she came to see richard it was hi oh hi patrick hi linda and they went off to dinner and i never saw her again until uh 3 years ago
0: oh my gosh yeah wow what a what a incredible story right there gosh yeah, it's very so cool. let's. This is for you know. I, I believe me, we'll talk plenty about Dallas, and I'm <laughs> that we have because they want to hear about it. But I got to talk about man from Atlantis. I'm going to be quite frank with you. I know it only ran a season, but when I was a kid, I didn't miss it. I mean, I, I I kid you not. I talked to a friend last night. I said I'm I'm interviewing Patrick Duffy tomorrow, and I'm not kidding you. The first thing that came up was not Bob Bobby Ewing. He started doing the swim exactly. which is arms. They do this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. I mean, I think for a show that was one season, it was much more impactful than people realize. It was.
1: It it had, uh, you know, it was timing. You know, everything Mm -hmm. is timing. Um, We only ran 13 episodes, but we did four TV movies prior to the series. So it kept getting reintroduced. And people of your age, when you were at that period, they were impacted by something they'd never seen before. I think Six Million Dollar Man was really the only other superhero and he was a a manufactured superhero so this was almost like marvel comics time yeah yeah and and it you know it garnered an enormous amount of attention just not a lot of ratings right you know i i have the same experience people that i see that uh, obviously they know step by step in dallas but they go you know i tried to swim like you (laughs) you
0: yeah yeah it was very good it's true so a couple things on with that show when you got it I had heard that you were kind of like you know I mean it was a tough time is was I tell me if this was just press but I actually read that you auditioned for it in your underwear because it was like oh my god to go buy a swimsuit that's going to cost me is that true
1: that's very true Uh, I was married I had a son who was At that point, just a year old, not even quite. Yeah, yeah, a year. He was, Patrick was a year. He's now almost 50. Uh, Wow. But we were living literally hand to mouth. My wife was a ballerina. She had retired. I was uh, building a rebuilding a boat in Long Beach, California. I was making $4 an hour uh, and going to auditions when I could. Um, So they said, you know, I, I made the reading, I made the this, the meeting, the people. And they said, we're now going to do a screen test. And what we're going to do, and they were very upfront, they said, you're the man from Atlantis, if you get this, so y'all have to be wet. And we have to just see, you know, we're going to hose you down, basically. And, yeah. and um, so come in your swimming suit. And, and inside, I'm going, Oh, dear me, you know, I can't, I couldn't afford to spend food money to get a swimming suit. So oh I went in my tidy whities, you know, wow and i got hosed down with the rest of them and i'm sure the other guys one was david dukes who very famous actor yeah and my recollection and now they're both gone so i'm not sure but my recollection was bob urich was in that lineup too oh no kidding there were five of us and bob long since departed as is his beautiful wife heather so i don't have any way of validating my memory, but all good actors, all of the same yeah. sort of stature and everything. And we were there in our swimming suits or whatever, and they literally hosed us down. And, oh
0: my gosh, you know, oh my gosh. Did you have a sense when you did get the part that, hey, this thing might be something, this, this might be a launching pad for me?
1: Well, I, it wasn't a launching pad so much, but I thought it's so unique. This would be great if it runs, you know, five or six years, you know, cause that's what I wanted, obviously. And so when, when the writing was on the wall, they weren't going to pick it up after the initial first nine episodes. I I wasn't depressed that it was, Oh my, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm back to, we got to pinch pennies and figure out, you know, what to do. So uh, it wasn't until that I got Dallas and even Dallas was a, a, it was a a guess, you know, it was Mm a hope uh, Mm -hmm. originally until, until we got picked up for the first season then it, then you started to feel slightly more confident that 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 I, deep into the show oh wow. yeah because our ratings didn't start very well on dallas mm-hmm. uh, the good news was we had a five episode um, introduction so it's a, basically a little mini series but the the opening salvo when we were first on the air i think was in the low 30s you know uh-huh. I guess you'd say high 30s, you know, like mm-hmm. 37, 38. But each episode that aired, it started to tick up a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, it, you know, CBS took a shot by saying, you know, we'll we'll order the first, I think they ordered 13 to begin with. Mm-hmm. That was sort of the standard. You order the first 13 and then the back totally. nine. Um, so we got the 13. We were still holding our breath. It was kind of nice. And then Gosh. when they popped for the, for the back nine, We we thought this could be the start of something really great. And then of course they shot Larry Mm -hmm. and it went through the roof and we got one of those rare moments in our business. And I'm speaking to everybody in television now or have been, and they know what I'm saying is it is so rare when you wrap for a season to have no question that you're coming back for another season. Wow. And we did that for about 10 years. Oh, oh my gosh. 10 years, we'd say, good season everybody. I'll see you, you know, in three months and we'd all go do a couple of TV movies and, and they would keep our names on our parking places and we'd be back there. And it, it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, wait a minute, I'm knocking with, <laughs> because it, it it's a rarity. And, yeah. and you have to be completely appreciative of every single moment. And we as a cast were, you know, every single person was just like, aren't we the luckiest actors in this
0: town? It, you know, you know, I love hearing that because the truth of the I have had a lot of different people on the show. And and too, too many, not not necessarily on the show, but talking about other shows and that a lot of actors don't. They get wrapped up in it. You know what I mean? Ooh. And and that's that's yeah. it. And and then it it ends and it's like, oh wait, you don't know me anymore? You know what? Right.
1: Exactly. And we had it was because we had the happiest set that existed in town. I swear to you, every guest star that we had and we had some big name guest stars, too. Oh, gosh. Yeah. But, but even the 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 standard guys who would come in and play that part, you know, you, you always needed the judge or the whatever. Yeah. They wanted to be on the show as a regular. They said, we've never had a, a environment to work in like this. It was the best show. And it, I, I've said this before. I'll say it to you. And I swear it's true. I never had a bad day at work. Wow. There wasn't one day at work in my career, but specifically in Dallas, that I went, oh, God, I have to go to work today. Yeah. Oh, how am I going to deal with this shit? You know, whatever. Right. It wasn't like that. We were, I would go to work. My, my wife was always making fun of me. She said, you go to work early every day. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm going to meet Haggy. We're going to have a drink. And we're gonna, you know, It was like... Uh, I wanted to get there desperately every single time I went to work.
0: Oh God, do I love hearing that! did Did you shoot in Dallas primarily, no. or yeah, well, you
1: did, huh? no, during the during the Dallas years, the first thirteen—that's <laughs> so cool to say. During yeah. the first eighteen years, we would uh, we shot the five episodes in Dallas, the first five completely. Mm-hmm. But when we got picked up, we it was the craziest schedule. We would shoot the first half of the first nine episodes in LA at MGM Studios. Then we would as a cast and crew truck down to Dallas, we'd shoot the second half of the first nine episodes and the second half of the next set of episodes and then wow. come back to LA, finish up those episodes and then finish the season. Oh so my it was gosh. insane. The hardest job on our show was the script supervisor who had to match three months would pass between you would go out a door and then you would come in a door and three months had passed oh and my she gosh. had to say no no you're you had two buttons undone on your shirt and not and you didn't have that thing or it was insane
0: holy cow that is insane geez yeah. but it was no. fun oh my gosh sounds like a blast Now, the um Jim Davis the who played the uh, uh Jock uh, I understood that he also was in kind of a similar situation with Dallas that you were with man from Atlantis, that when he got that, he was in kind of uh, tough straits himself.
1: Well, he had a, a, a few tough things happen to him. He, he lost his only child, a daughter oh, in I a car die. accident oh. uh, a few years before. Uh, and he just dropped out of the business. And it was, it was, um, who was it? It was uh, it, the show was, um, Jane Fonda, James Kahn, um, a Western and they enticed Jim to come back and play the old ranch owner. Oh, wow. uh, and he, and and I think it was John Wayne who encouraged him to do it.
0: I think you're right. I think you're right on that. Yeah. I've read that. And, yes. And
1: he then started doing his career again, and then he got Dallas and talk about one of the most grateful people in the business. Mm-hmm. It, it brought him out of, you know, he, he had a family again now, mm-hmm. you know, he and his wife literally had 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 their hearts yanked out. Oh, and yeah. All of a sudden, Jim's daddy on Dallas and he was daddy. We called him daddy. We very mm-hmm. called Sometimes Jimbo, but mainly daddy. And he wow. called him, I don't think he called me Patrick twice, you know, the wow. whole time he called
0: me Bobby. Oh, that is really cool. My yeah. gosh. Did you feel, um, you know, people play a character. Did you feel like, uh, uh, had you drawn up like a certain, um, I don't know, bio, so to speak, of of who Bobby Ewing was for you? Because I think a lot of people like just take Patrick Duffy and Bobby Ewing and they kind of smoosh them together. But (laughs) as an actor, did you do anything where you were like, this is how, you know, I see Bobby?
1: You're crediting me with being a much better actor than I am. (laughs) no i i figured if you know if it's on the page and i'm reading it correctly that's who i'm going to be and mm-hmm. and to be quite honest and not be flip about it uh, there's there is only a small distance between those two people between patrick and bobby um, mm-hmm. we're basically you know it wasn't a big stretch for mm-hmm. me to you know to get in the wardrobe and play the part um I always said during the run of Dallas that I wish I had his money and he wishes he had my wife. (laughs) That was really the only difference between Bobby and Patrick.
0: Um, I actually like that. But
1: uh, no, so I I didn't do a lot of guesswork in it. And quite interestingly enough, the the first five episodes laid out exactly who Bobby was. Hmm. I didn't have to figure out anything. Um, And I had basically a midwestern way of speaking so i could fall yep. into the larry had much more of a dallas texas kind of thing bobby Did. had a semi texas accent because he was a, a bit more cosmopolitan you know he traveled a lot and and so he could be country if he wanted to but he could also not and so it fit it just fit and and you know they laid out who i was a, basically a playboy who decided to settle down and get married and i'm mm-hmm. okay
0: There there we go. go I got you. Was it uh, during that time? I mean, yes, man from Atlantis, people would have known you. And I would would have been one of them running up to you going, hey. But (laughs) when you were on Dallas, and as you said, this wasn't, you know, like, it's hard for people like that are younger now to understand just how big Dallas was. I mean, you were... When they say appointment viewing, you were you were water cooler. You were everything. I mean, every even if you didn't like the show, you had to watch it or at least know something about it just to talk to people. I mean, it right. was that incredible. Yeah. What, um, for for you, was that, was it hard to walk out your door? I mean, was it that? <clears throat> um,
1: it, it, it was interesting to walk out my door. Let's put it that mm-hmm.
0: way. Yeah. Um, I learned
1: on Atlantis that uh, to make a big solid wall between my private life and my professional life. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was very comfortable with that. Also, by the time Dallas was up and running and successful, I then had two children. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had an incredibly wonderful home life. So uh, I didn't go out that much. Literally the only uh, excursions, if you go look up Patrick Duffy and you see photographs, 99% of the photographs are at some function that I was
0: required to attend. You're right about that. They are I've seen
1: always, you know, I'm always You're dressed
0: in a tux or
1: yeah. 90% of the time I'm with my wife and we would go husband and wifey to, you know, the affiliates dinners or to this or to that. Um, very few, uh, none, actually, I've never done an interview in my own home. Uh, mm-hmm. So that, because I felt that's the only place that's really mine. Mm-hmm. And once I go out the door, I'm public uh, property mm-hmm. and I, I'm okay with that. Uh, It was huge when Dallas was as phenomenal as it was, Um, but it was, it wasn't, uh, it didn't feel dangerous. It Mm -hmm. didn't feel threatening. And I think because the viewing audience had only started to get used to that level of celebrity from television, you know? And it's a good point. And and they became, it's almost like binge watching now. Uh, mm-hmm. it, you know, it was binge watching over 10 months
0: yeah you know?
1: so you know i see people now that they say oh my god you've got to watch whatever you know game of thrones or
0: right 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 like that.
1: and because they watch five episodes in a night because they can't stop watching well we were on once a week but it had the same effect so okay. literally for seven days they were just like oh, oh god what's gonna happen and everybody's talking about it and it wasn't just who shot jr it's like Oh God, who's in, who's in his bed? Oh no. Oh God. you know. So this crazy time that, you know, Linda and I are so close now, Linda Gray. And we talk about it all the time, just how incredible those days were and how grateful every time somebody comes up to me now and goes, Oh, Bobby, I just, I'm smiling. I go, absolutely.
0: I, oh, know, my gosh, that's so I turn cool.
1: around when people say Bobby, because mo- people know more about Bobby than Patrick Duffy, you mm-hmm. know, especially in those early years, you, know, you see my name for what three seconds on the opening credits, right? And the rest of the time, everybody's got Bobby. Hey, Bobby, what you doing? Hey, Bobby, I love you, Bobby. I hate you, Bobby, you know, all of those things, but it's Bobby. So oh, people holy. are you know, imbued with this sense that they see me and they go, oh, that's Bobby. I go, absolutely. It is.
0: That's me. Now, you you directed, I believe I saw 41 episodes of Dallas. Yeah. It's a lot. It's quite a few. Did you, when, you know, I understand when the seven years came up, you were like, I'm going to exit, and you, you had left. Did you, were you involved in the creative side of doing the shower scene and, and having that to come back? Or did you have discussions on that?
1: I, I was not in, involved in terms of making the decision, mm-hmm. but it was very interesting, and, and I, a few times I think I mentioned this, but. Uh, back in the day here's now for the, you people that are young you don't know this but we used to have answering machines you know before we had cell phones and I got home one afternoon and my light was blinking on my answer machine so I rewound it <laughs> I played, played the message and it was Haggy and he said Patrick I want you to come out to Malibu take a jacuzzi let's get drunk I want to talk to you and I oh clicked God. it off and turned to my wife and I said he's gonna ask me to come back on the show. And my wife said, that's impossible unless this whole last season was a dream. No way. My wife said that, yeah. Now, oh, wow. that was the end of that conversation. And then I talked to Haggie. you know, he he didn't have to convince me, I was ready to come back. I, I, was, I missed everything so much. Uh, and so I said, yeah, let's start the conversation. And so Leonard Katzman, the producer, my mentor, had an appointment with me right away. I went to see him and he said, here's my plan. The last season does not exist, it's a dream. We're gonna continue as if nothing happened.
0: Oh my gosh, is that weird? In
1: my mind, I'm going,
0: God, I married a smart woman.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And so, because he he had left the same year I did, he would left for a year. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and a different producer took over and, and Hagman hated that season because the producer wanted to take the show in a whole different way, you know, it was international and drugs and craziness and Larry was not happy. Plus, we weren't playing together every day and that didn't make him happy
0: either. Oh, I bet.
1: So, you know, everybody was ready to just erase that and start from exactly where we were the previous wow. year, uh, except a lot of diehard fans were upset. They were very upset. Um, they stuck with us, but uh, I understand them completely. They, our fans invested in our show. Yep. Really invested their heart and soul. And when we told them King's X, it didn't happen. You know, a lot of them were, but I'm I'm rooting for, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, you know, they, but they stuck with us for five more years, which was great.
0: Well, you guys had, like you said, you, you the three of you had just a natural chemistry that you can't, you're not going to replace that. what, were you involved then on the other angle when you were actually you know, killed or the car comes by and hits you? Were you involved in that from a yes, creative I, standpoint?
1: I specifically asked for that. Um, when we all agreed that I was leaving the show, I just, I said, the one thing I don't want to do is basically screw with my audience fan base. I don't want to disappear. I don't want, you know, we did it for daddy, but I don't want my plane to go down in the jungle. You know, mm-hmm. and everybody's hoping that I survived. I said, I want to go up. Bobby's a hero. Let him be a hero. Let him die a hero and mm-hmm. oh. let's draw the curtain. And so then Leonard said, Okay, here's what we'll do. And he, that's where I saved Pam from getting hit by the car. And I'm mm-hmm. in the hospital. I have even, every actor wants a, a death scene like mine in the hospital. Oh my God, that was the best. Scene ever. <laughs> <laughs> ah. You live for those things, you know, every actor wants to be a cowboy and every actor wants a great death seed.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. No, I I can still see it.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was it was emotional because we as as the best of friends were saying goodbye at that moment. Wow. At the bedside. Leonard directed that episode. And when Bobby finally died and the flatline happened and they got that beautiful shock of Victoria when it just went, you know, and everybody. Oh, God. Leonard couldn't say the word cut oh wow so I'm laying there knowing I'm dead now and I'm waiting for his voice to go and cut nothing
0: oh geez he he was he he dissolved oh my gosh is that wild well you know that that's why it's so special though that's why when you left the show I mean you can't replace what is like just natural bond you know You
1: can't, you know, yeah. It was, uh, and I, I, I did not watch any of the episodes after I was. I didn't watch that whole season. Oh uh, wow! That's and and I didn't. I haven't. I didn't realize it until years later that you know it. I didn't watch it because I didn't want to be reminded that soon of what was gone. Wow! You know, I heard things about it and and have seen clips since then, but I didn't watch a single episode of the of the lost
0: season. Oh my gosh! That's pretty wild. Do you, by the way, I get asked this all the time, like w- when people send in comments and that, they always are curious. Do you ever watch old Dallas episodes? Do you ever like, you know, you're in a hotel room or something that comes on, and you just stop for a while?
1: If, if, if I'm cruising through and there's an episode of Dallas, I I, I the, the bat shoot comes out, man. I just stop everything. I go, Ooh, <laughs> but it's interesting, uh, you know, uh, YouTube and all these things, every once in a while will have clips of stuff. Yeah. And, I watch a lot of them and I don't remember actually shooting some of those scenes wow. uh, specifically. I don't remember, I, you know, i watch a scene I go, God, I don't remember being in that room under those circumstances. Isn't that interesting? But we did, I don't know, 350 some episodes. So. Oh,
0: yeah, 13 seasons. I think I get it. I think yeah. I can understand. A few yeah. of them
1: mushed together, yeah.
0: Is there, um, outside of like your your death scene or the comeback or the shower scene, are there any other moments within those thirteen that were really, you know, special episodes for you?
1: Um, not specifically. There, there was one that I didn't like. One episode, uh, and I, I referred to it as Bobby as the ninja, you know, and you know it was Carter McKay, uh, whatever the dynamics were. You know, he was the new villain, and so he was. He had captured somebody, something. Anyway, so Bobby's going to go in and save the day. And I thought, well, I'll just go in, knock on his door, and beat the shit out of him. <laughs> oh no, 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 that's not what we're going to do. It's going to happen at night. The helicopter is going to come in. You're all dressed in black, and you jump out of the helicopter into the haystack, and then you scurry through the thing and do that. And you grab the machine gun. And I'm thinking, really? And <laughs> I did it? I looked at it. I went ah, that's so not me and not Bobby and not anything. And and it was like, oh, no, I, I was not a happy man that time.
0: And oh, my gosh. It was just
1: because I I didn't think it fit. That's all.
0: I'm going to go back and find that episode. I don't even remember that. That's yeah. that's funny. Okay. All right.
1: So <laughs> that's he- the only one. That's literally the only one. And I'll t- the way I've answered the question about the way you phrased it to begin with is that specifically they do run together because there were so many Mm -hmm. but the thing i remember is going to work every day and being with that group of people that's that's seared into my brain you know the 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 geography of the set where our chairs were what the dynamic that's the part that's always in my mind
0: right right i you know i know that you're you're you were a theater guy and and you know you have a you you know your own background with with all that but uh, you worked with literally an icon of American theater. I mean, Barbara Bel Geddes. I mean, I don't even know if people realize. Like, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, oh, she wasn't she in like Cat on a Hot Tin Roof or the original thing?
1: Broadway. Yeah, she yeah. she originated the role of Cat
0: on Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. I mean, come on. Yeah. yeah, she
1: she premiered on Broadway in a show called The Moon Is Blue, directed by Otto Preminger. Oh, jeez. It was a, it was the first time that the word virgin was used on stage and it caused oh. this big brouhaha you know uh, oh, wow. so yeah that was Barbara but here okay we're going to get another thing about Barbara yeah Barbara Bel is the daughter of a, of a very famous New York architect named Norman Bel hmm, Norman Bel besides being an architect was the artist who would in the old during World War II they would get radio descriptions of battles at sea Oh yeah, and It was a radio description. And so I don't know if it was look or life or post. One of those magazines would do a fold out pictorial and Norman would paint the battle of whatever with the ships and the, oh, and my the gosh. planes and the sinking boats and the people in the water. And it would be these things. That was Norman Bel Geddes. Wow. So my wife's father was an architect for Norman Bel Geddes.
0: Oh, come on. Seriously. Come yeah. on. Yeah.
1: So that was the common history I have with, with Barbara. And she told me a story, because I just got back from New York with Linda, and yeah. uh, she told me a story that she and her husband, on their anniversary, would go to the Plaza Hotel. And they would get a room for the night, and they would go down and have dinner. And, they would do, and that's how they celebrated their anniversary. And she told me this beautiful, lovely story. So CBS yes. sent me to New York for the parade, the Easter parade. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah. Right. So, uh, Easter?
0: No, Mason, uh, thanks, maybe macy's yeah. thanksgiving thanksgiving yeah thanksgiving that's it yeah. thanksgiving yeah.
1: so uh, you know i'm there and they put me up at the plaza and so we're having dinner at the plaza my wife and my children myself and this major d who was looked like he was 100 years old but wasn't he came over oh, mr duffy is everything fine i said yeah. I, I need to tell you a quick story and i told him the barbara story and i said is there any way because you know on the dinner plates they have the old original plaza suite dinner plates but they take those away and then bring the regular plates when when dinner served yeah i said is there any way that i could buy one of these plates and gift it to barbara on her the her husband had since died but i what said cool on the anniversary idea. of their coming here and he said well I'll, let me see what i can do and as we were leaving he had he handed me a little wrapped sack and it had the dinner plate in it.
0: Oh my gosh! I was
1: able to to write an engraving, you know, sweet note, uh, to her and they gave it to her. So that
0: must have broke her down, boy. Oh, uh, it was great. Pretty, pretty big. It was great, but it was wow. another
1: one of those strange connection moments, you know.
0: I mean, I just love it. I can't tell you outside of just yes, I'm here with you. I love hearing those stories because they validate so much of what I believe. So that's yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. What? Um, tell me this. What was she like, by the way, off? offset i mean you know she played a matriarch role whatever but what was she like when the cameras weren't rolling
1: she was a body old broad (laughs) okay (laughs) don't let those don't let those little peter pan collars that she would wear (laughs) on her dress and always have her little hands up like that right she could (laughs) with the best of them she loved uh, coming toe to toe with Hagman and myself when we would misbehave on the set between shots,
0: oh my gosh she
1: was she was wonderful. She was literally they have an expression in in the u k of, of and I don't know if I guess you can on your show, but taking the piss out of yourself uh-huh. which just means you just you make fun of yourself almost by the way you're acting. And yeah. she knew she had this prissy little attitude as the matriarch so. Uh-huh. That was not who Barbara was at
0: all. Oh my gosh, that's really that great funny. Fun. Great, fun. I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that. Oh wow. Okay. Um, the other side of it is then you you also appear on Knots Landing. I had Joan Van Ark on, and she, she was awesome. terrific, by the way, and and uh, really sweet woman. And uh, what was the biggest difference, I guess, between those sets, between the Knott's Landing set and the Dallas set for you?
1: Well, the difference, I think. In in reality, was Knots Landing was not about a family, it was about a bunch of families on a cul-de-sac, mm-hmm. and so there was uh, there wasn't the I didn't feel now they you know they work together every day for God knows how many seasons sure but I didn't feel when I was on the set that there was the same oneness of the entire cast. Mm-hmm. I, I'm uh, I can only assume that there was an overall sense of, yeah, they're all great actors, and i've I've known mm-hmm. a lot of them over the years. And the very few divas or anything in that thing. But I think they they were by virtue of the way the show was filmed, you know, if you were in one house, mm-hmm. that was the first half of the day and they shot all of that and then you would go to the the uh, wasn't the, yeah, it was Ewing house because it was Gary Ewing. that's right. House would go to that house and shoot those scenes every once in a while the characters interact but on dallas we it was one house we all lived in that house god knows why right um, right right that was the biggest question we all had is you know bobby's worth you know hundreds of millions of dollars <laughs> he gets married and he lives upstairs in the bedroom really <laughs> there's just no sense in that but it it fed into the daily drama of the family and so i think that was the main difference that i felt when i went to knots landing
0: i got you did you ever direct any of the knots landing episodes by the way no okay all right cool i got you well uh i i want to go to step by step but i gotta step back to man from atlantis for a second victor buono um, um, who obviously King Tut from Batman and you know, I mean, just what whatever I, what
1: happened to whatever happened to Baby Jane
0: Academy Award, yeah, yeah, yeah. What what uh what was he like? Because I mean, seriously, I mean he left us way too young.
1: Oh, way too young, way too yeah. young. okay, you're gonna get another one. I'm serving this one up to you. Okay. okay. Victor went to high school with my wife.
0: Oh, come on, seriously, in San Diego. Oh, my gosh, is this wild?
1: San Diego High School. Victor Bono was an incredibly gifted actor. In high school, he and my wife uh, performed at the uh, uh, the Balboa Shakespeare, uh, The Globe, but yeah, not, sure. not in The Globe. They had an ancillary, I forget what it was called, the the Annex or something, right? Uh-huh. Opposite. And Victor, at about the age of, I think it was 18, was playing Volpone, you what? know? Yeah. And, he was-
0: Wow, crazy. It always had like an older thing going. Yeah. Oh, yeah,
1: and he and my wife were just the rowdiest kids in the play. They would get the giggles. They got kicked off the set, off the rehearsal one day, or the director <laughs> just said, go home. I can't do this anymore. Just go home. <laughs> so when I'm doing Man from Atlantis, and all of a sudden they say we're going to enter the, this Victor Buono character, Dr. Schubert. Uh Um, And it's going to be Victor. And we just went, oh, my God, here we go. So my wife came to the set, and there was that reunion.
0: Oh, wow. Wow. Now, there's a guy that, I mean, because he played these characters. I mean, he just embodied them. What was he like off set when the cameras aren't rolling?
1: He was a raconteur. He was a a great storyteller, uh, had a great sense of humor, uh, knew so much about Irish history, uh, things like that. Uh, classical music, uh, all of the thing, he just was unfortunately so large. Yep. A- and he was never healthy when he was that large. Um, yeah. we would worry about him, he would just perspire massively with very little exertion.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. We had to be
1: very careful with, you know, and then that's what killed him, you know, he, he, his heart attack at that yeah. young age. Um, uh, his mother outlived him, you know,
0: oh, never uh, want he, that.
1: He lived with his mother up in Apple Valley, um, but he was dear, dear to me, you know. And I knew his history because of my wife and because of watching movies, you know, and, and seeing him. So it was thrilling to have him on the show uh, mm-hmm. on the times that we worked together. And and I learned the art of subtlety in comedy from him. Wow. And and Dallas was a bit tongue in cheek. I mean, Atlanta's tongue in cheek anyway, but you know, he would, he would deliver some lines with just this half a step back subtlety thing. I went, God, I'm going to steal that someday. (laughs) He's doing, you know, and, and so that was it. He, 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 his mother knitted me a pair of socks actually.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Seriously. That's just too cool. You know, I was thinking about this too, with man from Atlantis. You had the webbed hands, the webbed feet. You had, I believe, uh, like contact lenses or something in your eyes. Was Horrible. it? Yeah. yeah. How long was that whole process every day?
1: Well, it, it was depending on what we did. Fred Phillips, who was the makeup artist on that show, mm-hmm. it was the man who invented Spock's ears on Star Trek. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and his father, actually, Fred Phillips Sr., uh, started the makeup union in Hollywood. Oh. oh. back in the 20s. And and Fred was a, a like a pre-teenager, and would go to the set with him and hand Roman Navarro lipstick. Oh my ben gosh! Her, the oh. original Ben Hur. Everybody who's listening, right? Charlton Heston's Ben Hur, right? Roman Navarro. So um, f- it depended on what we were doing. If we were doing anything where I had to do this, then they had to put the webs in every single part of my hand, and and that for both hands was about an hour and a half to two hours. Wow. And, Um, but I learned to do this to keep these fingers together you know if I would pick up something and look at it you would look and all they had to do then was just do the finger and thumb thing oh wow the lenses were a whole other thing Um, for the water work underwater I had to use what is called a scalero lens Hmm. and it's an actual they uh, originally they didn't do this for me but they when it, when it hurt me, they did. Um, they take a mold of your eyeball. They literally put this machine on it and pour stuff on your eyeball and then- Oh it,
0: God, I'm so creeped out. I can't even tell you right now by that.
1: It's it's really something because they open your lids and oh. stick underneath and then they squirt this stuff in there and then it hardens oh. and, then, and they pop it off your eye. <laughs> and then they put plastic in there and do this whole thing and make a, a curved conical lens. Wow, the first time uh, when they said we need these, I, I went to a, a eye person in, in Beverly Hills, and he pulled out the box of these pre made ones, and he kept looking at my eye, and he goes, "Yeah, these'll fit," and he just showed me how to put them in until it fit. And then the the studio hand painted with airplane paint, the the green things that made my eyes sparkle green. Well, they burnt me. They they just hurt me desperately. And I finally said, I got to that was the original ones out of the box. And then when they did the mold of my eye, they became usable. That was for underwater. Then they wanted me to wear lenses, regular, you know, pop-in contacts, Mm -hmm. but they were painted as well with airplane paint and they scratched and they were, and I finally, that's the first time that I stood up for myself and I just said, "I, I can't do this. And therefore I won't do this. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to write an explanation of why his eyes have adjusted, you know, which they did. Uh, yeah. And I didn't have to wear lenses outside, but underwater, if I had a close up, I had to put the Scaleros in.
0: I mean, that airplane paint. I remember my father used to make models, and so that was always around. That airplane paint, one, it smells, and one, yeah. it's like a, it's it. it I, I just can't imagine that in my eye. I mean, that could be real dangerous. It's basically yeah, that's right.
1: Base. Yeah. So, uh, but they, you know. I was in my twenties, man. I was on was <laughs> TV
0: show. I was like, exactly. okay, muscle up here. You know, That's let's, right. You're the star. Yeah. Um, so you go, um, let's go, let's go to step-by-step by, Step, by the way, because um, I, I find it just amazing by the way, you are one of the luckiest actors I have ever seen. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> no, I, I agree hundred percent. Yeah. You go man from Atlantis. You basically go home, basically sleep for as far as I'm concerned and you're on Dallas you end Dallas, and you're basically like, let's just move to a whole nother set and work for another eight years or whatever it was. Yeah,
1: that was it. I, and in 24 almost 25 years, I was only
0: off three weeks. I mean, that's insane. That's just, yeah. I mean, that's the luckiest uh it streak I've ever heard.
1: Absolutely luck. And I, I admit that you know, i I feel I earned the luck.
0: But oh, certainly. Fun
1: but it was luck. Uh, absolutely. Right place, right time. Coincidences. Uh, you know, Leonard Katzman was a party to almost all of them. Well, he was all of them. You know, he was really even step by that. step. Yeah. Um, when I left Dallas the first time, after the first seven years, Leonard had done, uh, produced a show called Petra uh, mm, with um, uh, oh, Who's the, the lead actor on Taxi? Judd Hirsch.
0: Get Hirsch,
1: uh, yeah, playing a lawyer in Arizona or something, and and that was also produced by
0: Mike, uh, uh, uh,
1: uh, not Bickley Warren, uh, Bob Boyette, uh, Miller, Miller Boyette, Miller,
0: Miller Boyette, Miller Boyette, yep. Uh,
1: so Tom Miller was the producer with Leonard Katzman on Petricelli. So when I left Dallas the first time, uh, uh, of, Miller Boyette had like three major shows on the air, half hours. They were they were the king of half
0: hours. Yeah, they were time. big.
1: So Leonard called up Tom and said, hey, one of my actors is leaving the show. And I think, you know, he's pretty funny. He can, you might be able to use him in a thing. And Tom Miller said, Larry Hagman's leaving Dallas? <laughs> <laughs> and Leonard said, no, it's Patrick Duffy. And, and there was a, a, a definite pause where I know they were thinking, but he's not funny. <laughs> so, but I met with them. We had a good time and they said yeah let's develop a half hour for you and they started it they started a half hour you know in development form it was going to be called mixed company Hmm. it was basically a taxi type of show but about a fire department where now women had to be included in the fire department so it was the firehouse but with a couple of women or a woman and a bunch of guys and i would have been the judd hirsch character in that wow So that was percolating along pretty well until I got asked back on the show on Dallas. And I just went to Tom and Bob and said, I'm back. they said, of course you have to do Dallas. So they let me go. But then when we knew that Dallas was canceled and they knew Dallas was canceled, they immediately just resurrected, not that show, but the idea for me for a half hour. And that was step-by-step.
0: I mean, that we're talking how many years later? I mean, my gosh, that's a long time.
1: Five years after them starting. As soon as Dallas was canceled, they said, now's our time.
0: Oh, is that amazing? I mean, seriously, oh, come yeah. on, talk about the, the everything falling in place for you.
1: Yeah. Didn't um, have audition. Another, and, you know,
0: did you, um, and I actually, by the way, I saw a taping of, of step-by-step. Step. I was fortunate enough to have seen that and, really? and that was wonderful to see like the set and the vibe. And it seemed very fun from a, you know, I guess a audience perspective, sure, but, sure. um, you and Suzanne Summers just seemed because I saw when they would go cut and you know you you cameras were off, but you and Suzanne Summers just seemed really natural, like yeah. really natural together.
1: Yeah, uh, she was my Larry Hagman. Oh wow! Yeah, she was my Larry Hagman. I, I you know I literally not in the same time frame, but I thought well after Dallas was finally canceled, I thought well that's it. I've worked with you know the best people for a long time. My best friend, you know, for thirteen years. Pew, job well done, Patrick. I walked into the meeting with Suzanne at Miller Boyettes and we hit it off so well. I went, oh, she's my new Larry Hagman. Wow. And that's how close we were. You know, we were close on the set, off the set, between takes. Uh, she referred to me as her second husband. You know, she's been married to Alan Hamill for, you know, decades. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she was my second wife. And wow. that's how we felt about each other to this day, to this day. We're still very close.
0: Oh, that is fantastic to hear. Now, you know, I mean this in the best way. You, you were like a very yes, there was comedy within the drama of Dallas, whatever. But you know, realistically, it was like he's a great dramatic actor. Now, you go to do comedy. Were you were you comfortable with that? I mean, that that was a big shift to a sitcom.
1: It, it was, you know, I was comfortable with the idea, but I wasn't comfortable with the reality. Uh, hmm. You know. Uh, you know, because Larry and I were always, if you want to coin the phrase, we were always funny. We were always goof, you know, on each other, et cetera. Yeah. So the idea of doing comedy was not foreign to me, but doing a three-camera sitcom comedy uh, scared me a bit, you know. Oh, it, I, I bet. It, it scared me. And and I confided that into Susan, Suzanne. Uh, boy, if she ever heard me call her Susan. <laughs> God. Uh, anyway, Suzanne. And so I would, I would tell her, I say, you got to help me here. You know, if, if I'm off track, just give me a sign, give me a wink, a nod or whatever. Mm -hmm. So the first couple of episodes was that way. We'd, you know, we'd read the script and laugh and everybody do it. And then, and it was good because they let me do a lot of physical comedy, uh, that kind of stuff. But, you know, after takes, I would catch her eye and she would give me a, a nod of, yeah, good job or you know that kind of thing so after a few episodes I went okay I got this and it was to me interesting because sitcom what I realized is oh it's just single camera but with more cameras yeah they're just doing all the coverage at the same time I got this now you know and it's more like theater instead of uh, a single camera in the sense that you you perform for an audience mm-hmm. and you know so all the direction and everything is three-quarter front you know and and so that was a slight learning curve, but once I got it, it was I love three camera. I wish I'd had another one. Now I would do wow. it
0: in, in a heartbeat. And you uh, you directed, I believe, twenty nine episodes of. No, I
1: directed. Uh, I was I was scheduled direct to direct my fiftieth episode when we were
0: fifty. Yeah, fifty.
1: I did, did forty nine episodes.
0: Oh my gosh! Yeah. Wow. Well, maybe it was forty nine. Maybe maybe I got that wrong. Yeah, maybe it was. I was thinking forty. Yeah, because I knew they're nine. But okay, so you did forty nine episodes of Step by Step. Yeah. How, you know, how about that? Just the first time you had to direct it. That's a totally different vibe than what you were doing over on Dallas.
1: Well, it, it was and it wasn't. And Susanna said this a couple of times. Is that she said from the first day you were directing the show, you know, huh. and, and, and you know, and and I would, I just it. I've said this a couple of times and it sounds again it makes me not the best actor in the world because i'm always occupied mentally with something other than what i'm doing on camera hmm. um, and so you know when i when i first started dallas you know i would do the scenes and everything but i got it right away of okay i have to help the director here by standing this way and then by you know opening up my shoulder so the over the show you know and it all just made sense to me and i loved having that to think about while I was working. And so step-by-step was the same. Once I got the first couple of episodes, I was watching the camera work and working with great three camera directors, Rich Carell, you know, and uh, other really good three camera people. I went, oh, I've got this. It's my shot list for a single camera, but I have to do it all at once. Okay. So, you know, I didn't ask to direct, I think, until the beginning of the third year, the first two years. And, they will let you direct at least once just because, you know, you can pout and stamp your feet or do whatever. Right, right. And I, and I'd done, I directed Dallas's yep. and earned my stripes that way. And so I said, guys, I'd like to direct one. And they said, okay. And once I directed it, uh, we ended early. Uh, we got every shot we needed. It was a great episode. And they just went, okay. So I said a couple more. So the first couple of seasons I would direct three or four you know, and then, uh, I wanted to direct more. And so I almost became one of the alternating directors. There wow. were basically three of us and we would just rotate and direct uh, all the time. And it was so much fun for me. And the, and the cast liked it. Uh, you know, I wasn't a demanding director.
0: Yeah. yeah, Right.
1: They were so good at what they did. I just needed to help them with the camera work. So it was, you know, and give them as many funny bits to do as I could think of.
0: You know? Right, right. What do you think the biggest difference is with um, Suzanne Summers offset versus what, you know, you see, you know, in, in, in public? What What's the biggest difference there?
1: Or uh, uh, offset? Uh, there's not a difference, but she's, she's fearless on camera. Mm-hmm. She's absolutely fearless. Uh, and in comedy, it's almost a required, you yep. know, but she does, she'll go... To the ends of the earth for a laugh, and then sometimes you have to say no. Let's pull it back a little bit, you know. But that's what I learned from her: is give them twice what they want, and let them prune it back. You mm-hmm. know, otherwise you're only going to do what they think is funny, and if it doesn't fit, then you're going to be miserable. So uh, I learned that from her right away. And um, she off camera, like when we're Linda and I had lunch with her and Alan last time we were in Palm Springs. And she's just more reserved. She has a funny sense of humor. She's she's a loving person. Uh, mm-hmm. We are literally in love with each other as people. Um, wow. So that's the same. But mm-hmm. she doesn't try and be goofy, Chrissy or goofy Carol. You know, on, on, on step by step. Whereas I I tend to go for the the cheap joke all the time. You know? <laughs> just that's who i am so that'd be the only difference and she and Alan are a money making machine yeah i mean her off camera even during step by step what she made on step by step was you know taxi money compared to what she made with the Thigh master
0: for the oh, first God. Couple of years. everywhere
1: and then everything else you know from fashion to jewelry to you know she I, she's written 20 some books now something yeah, like that
0: yeah i think that. you're right yeah. And,
1: and she gets like a million dollars up front. They God. say, will you write a book? She says, yeah, I'll write a book. They go, here's a million dollars. And wow. so she wants a book. So uh, she's that kind of person off camera. It's wicked smart. Her and Alan are wicked smart.
0: Oh my gosh. That's really cool. Um, I, I gotta, I gotta also mention um, uh, the bold and the beautiful because I'm going to have, you know, Fans out there going, why don't you talk to them about that? Right. Um, what was that like for you to go from, in essence, a prime time soap in Dallas, and now you're, you know, you're you're doing a daytime soap? <laughs> there's,
1: a, there's a bold and beautiful script right there. <laughs> yeah, uh, the difference. The main difference is when I first went on Bold and Beautiful. This is now, my goodness, th- thirteen years ago, ten years wow. ago, or something. I did um, the first day of work. I had almost 30 pages of dialogue to do in one day.
0: I mean, that's a lot.
1: A Dallas script was maybe 40 pages divided among 20 people over seven days. Wow. I I walked on the set of Bold and Beautiful. I wasn't surprised because I got the script ahead of time, but it was put your feet to the fire. Yeah. And and there's no take two unless literally somebody's nose falls off. You know, you don't get a second take and, and you don't invent your blocking director comes down and goes okay on this line you've got to be over there on that line you're going to be there you step over there she comes in the door you save the links and look to the left and cut wow and go, okay, okay. <laughs>
0: you know? that's a lot of pressure
1: and everybody's got their script and they're, they're doing this and they go okay we're ready to roll and you stick it behind the pillow under your thing <laughs> in your oh my god so uh linda and i are doing Bold and beautiful now uh, wow that's why we're in la and literally you can't see it but on my table is a, a layout of two sets of scripts for one for Linda, one for myself for two episodes. We're filming two entire episodes before lunch
0: Thursday. Oh my gosh. I yeah. mean, you gotta be kidding me.
1: You, you gotta come with your A game, you know? Oh yeah. Great, that's a, I, they are the most undervalued, underestimated, underappreciated group of actors anywhere. To do that five days a week, Yep. Nonstop. People on Bold and Beautiful have been on the show for twenty years, twenty-five mm-hmm. years. They do that every single day. Their brains are like massive, you know. And, yeah. and it's a muscle. And you know, it was hard the first time, and then the second day was easier. And your brain just accommodates, and you know, you can you can memorize thirty pages of dialogue.
0: That's incredible. That yeah. is. You know, I, it's so funny you say that. I remember when I came to town. Ta- I I have an acting background. I came to town as an actor, and I remember people would say, "Hey." Why don't you just go do a soap for a little bit like it was like it was like it was like you know anybody like that can do that thing. yeah yeah
1: oh, no no they don't
0: get it that's hard that's yeah. really
1: hard and and i've developed with bold and beautiful you know the, the good thing was i did not invent this character um mm-hmm. i replaced another actor uh not he didn't walk out the door and i walked in the door uh robert pine
0: robert pine uh, right
1: who did this thing and then the character served its usefulness. And they they got rid of him for a while. And then they decided, well, let's bring that character back. And that's when I came in as that character. But the wonderful thing is, I, I am, I feel like these three girls, like Jennifer and, and Heather and, and, and Kathy, they're my girls. They're like wow. daughters to me. And wow. we developed this great friendship, you know, 13 years ago. And then Linda and I did about four months three months ago we did two episodes and i walked into the makeup room for the first time and my three girls were daddy
0: oh my gosh and
1: it was they it was nothing had changed
0: and oh so wow
1: it's wonderful and, you know it's absolutely wonderful and and their acceptance as characters of linda's character on the show now we have no idea you know, what's going to happen over the arc
0: of this time. Oh, um, you never, yeah, no, I'm no, sure.
1: She, um, Linda could be an axe murderer. We don't know. Right <laughs> right. right That's but right now, she's my, she's not my wife. She's my girlfriend on the show. Wow. My, my significant other. And we'll see what happens. But we're thrilled. We, you know, like I said, we start on Thursday.
0: Did, now, obviously, people are, you know, watching are going, okay, Linda and, and Patrick, they live together. I mean, they are, they are a couple did yeah. they approach you and say, hey, uh, we'd love to have you and Linda? Or was it just, it happened? I mean, well, it it,
1: it sort of happened. I've known Brad Bell, the the exec and creator and writer of the show. You know, he writes the the basic Bible. And then of course there's writers. Mm-hmm, correct. But, sure. but Brad uh, has been a friend. And over the years after I was on the show, whenever we'd see each other, we'd play the game of when you're coming back. I'd say, well, when you're going to ask me? Well, when you're going to ask me? So that <laughs> happened, uh, you know recently when you're coming back I said "Well, I'd like to come back what do you think and he said well we can make that happen I said well what about coming back with a girlfriend and wow he said, oh and I said yeah Linda and I together it'd be great and he said yes it would and that's when he wrote the part for the two episodes that we did a couple of months ago and I then he, he, he didn't call he texted but he texted and said I've got a great idea for an arc for you too so let's do it and we said yeah
0: so uh, yeah, we'll see. Do, you, do you love working together, by the way?
1: Absolutely. It, it's it's remarkable. It's uh, It was a bit of a, not a test, but it was a bit of a, oh, what happens if this doesn't work? What if we just don't work the same way,
0: you know? Mm-hmm, and the first sure. thing
1: we did was a TV movie in Canada. And,
0: uh, uh, yes. Lori Fowler's story. Or no, something? That was the second one we did. We did oh, a, the second a, one. Okay.
1: One. Yeah. The first one. Oh God, I can't even I can't remember.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah,
1: but uh, so it was during COVID and we literally get off the plane. They stick a squab up your nose and then they make you go to a hotel for two weeks during COVID oh. isolated for two weeks in a hotel. You can't go out the front door of your room.
0: Uh, in the hotel. I, uh.
1: They deliver food They you you give them a grocery list because they had little kitchens wow. and they go grocery shopping for you. They put it in front of your door. They knock on the door and they run. Oh, and my God, the door and you bring your food in. And so we had two weeks and we we had the most fun being locked up for two weeks.
0: Oh, and wow.
1: First day of work. And I've never done this. And Linda had not either. You, you wake up with the person you're going to work with.
0: Uh, you,
1: you drive in together. You, you're holding hands. You go up in and makeup, up and you go on the set. And and then it was, let's see how we work together. Wow. And it was great. And we work exactly the same way with the same level of whatever appreciation and everything. And the, the one thing Linda said, which I didn't even notice, I did it, but uh, she done a really nice shot in the scene that she was on. And she said, the next thing I felt somebody's hand on my bottom because <laughs> I patted her on the derriere. And I said, that was really good, honey. And she said, well, that was the, the first time in 45 years that ever happened to me. <laughs>
0: Oh my God. That is funny. Yeah. Oh, geez. I said, well,
1: To be quite honest, I've never walked up to somebody and patted him on the butt and said, good scene either.
0: In 45, oh, that's years. so funny. Oh my but God. Just, you know,
1: we work well together. We live well together. You know, it's, uh,
0: yeah. it's, it's
1: a great relationship.
0: I'm going to need to talk to her too, by the way, I can tell you that already. Well, she
1: was a, she's a classic. I mean, yes. All the way back from happy days to, you know, Oh, look to her own show, Young Pioneers. I think she's Wait. done over 50 television movies. Has she really? Yes.
0: Oh my gosh, that's huge. I didn't realize it was that many.
1: Yeah, yeah, so oh. as what did Gregory, Gregory Harrison.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: he Produced 20 of them, he and his company.
0: Wow, wow. Yeah. I mean, that's impressive. That's really impressive. Um, I'll tell you what, the, the last thing, because I don't want to keep you. You've been just so great. I I, I feel, I, I literally, it's like, it's wild when you talk to somebody and you feel like, wow, I, I know you. But yeah. um but Patrick, I, I wanted to know when you did the reboot of Dallas, what was that seriously like for you? Like when you walked in the set, was it like, wow, I'm back? Or was it different than that?
1: It was, there was a wow, I'm back. Uh, Linda and I had that feeling. Oh, wow um because we we filmed it all in texas so you know it wasn't the first day of work but the first week of work of course we go to south fork ranch Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it was one of those oh my goodness you know it'd been 20 years since we'd done those characters in that on those things so that was interesting and wonderful and lucky and and for larry and linda and myself to be together again was fantastic Mm -hmm. um Doing the reboot was really interesting for me um, because I got to play the same character, but I got to play him as an old man. Uh, The the first episode of the reboot was Bobby's 60th birthday. Wow. And I think I was 63. So what does that tell you? Yeah, yeah. But very few actors get to do that. You know, actors will play, let's say you want to play Hamlet. So in in your 20s, you play Hamlet and it's like, ah, I'm Hamlet and then right. in your late 30s or so you do Hamlet but you're a bit more gravitas mm-hmm. but you don't see a lot of people other than Sir Ian doing Hamlet at 80 right yeah. but to to realize that I have to be Bobby Ewing but it can't be the Bobby Ewing that I did you know in 1991 true he's he's older now who is he he's married to a different woman he's he's the head of the rant well, you know what does all of this mean and so to to have the pleasure of not trying to pretend to be something as opposed to just being this 60, not in my mind, 63 year old version of that character. You know, he's calmed down. He's got this, he's got that. So it was, it was very cool for me to do that. You know, wow. Really interesting.
0: Wow. That is really cool. Well, listen, thank you so much for being on the show, Patrick. It meant a great deal to me personally, but also, I know the fans will love it, and I, I just wish you all the success because you, you really are, are so thankful for it, and it's wonderful you know, to see.
1: Back at you. This has been most enjoyable, you know.
0: Oh, great. I appreciate it. Thanks again. Take care. All right. Thanks for coming, and uh, please check us out also on YouTube.com slash That's Classic TV, where you can actually watch and see the celebrities that are on the show. Thanks again. Bye-bye.